The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. I I will never disparage a deck that runs Wall of Roots. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Plain Soccer's Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic and, by popular request, legacy yep. by a lot. We're still on legacy. So how you doing, Matt? Uh, I'm doing well. I, As uh, we talk about every week, I did get my day off this week, so I had a relev- relev- relatively uneventful day, sat around. It's okay, Matt. We only talk for part of our living. Yeah. Did some uh, did some housework and stuff like that, like I have been doing. Tinkered, out, tinkered around with a couple games. Um, pissed my dog off. <laughs> so, like, Sid, that's the name of my dog. If I if I'm playing a game and I get frustrated, if I just go, <sighs> he panics. Mm-hmm. So like, he'll first like get up and move over to me, and then he'll like lay on me and he'll start shaking, like trembling. So I uh, I was trying to play Cuphead for the first time, and I was working on it, and it's a it's a it's a kind of a platformer shooter. Like the first level I played was very similar to like Contra. Um, it's very similar to uh, a 2D side scroll or Dark Souls. Yeah. And so I was working on that and <laughs> got frustrated. And <laughs> that basically just ended the whole Cuphead experience because he started to panic. And the problem is, if he was panicking on the other side of the room, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. He literally is on top of me. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can't play. And then I get frustrated even more if I let that happen. So, like, we just had to bail on that whole adventure. Um, as far as gaming goes that I was actually playing, my wife and I picked up Stardew Valley again, so we've got a co-op farm we're working on that. She and I have played that game a ton. It's super fun. It's a lot of fun for couples if you haven't played it. Um, if you know nothing about it, you basically take over a, an abandoned farm from your grandpa and work to like make money and grow a farm. It's like it's a it's farming simulator. It's a what's that? It's like Farmville. It's not time gated like a Facebook game would yeah. be. It's not a free to play game, but it's it's Farmville. It's it's. The closest analog would be something like uh, Animal Crossing or Harvest Moon, if anybody's played any of those. It's a very similar game. The The interesting thing about Stardew isn't so much the farming, but the uh, designer and maker of the game, Concerned Ape, he went through a lot of trouble making the, t- the villagers very realistic, and there's a ton of story. So, like, each character has their own personality and like their own story you can go through like one of them he doesn't show up till the second year cuz he was at war and he has like PTSD so you see these like events happening and you have to respond to them and whatnot so like one time he's just he and his wife are making popcorn in the kitchen and he flips out mm-hmm. because of his PTSD so it's not like it's not like a cotton candy world where bad things don't happen like the mayor is corrupt mm-hmm. he's sleeping with he's having an affair with one of the other villagers it's and, a very it's very deep yeah it's it's the storyline and it's a lot deeper than than you would think on the surface so it's a lot of it's a lot of fun um other than that what we did do this weekend you and i both went up to goshen mm-hmm. to hang out with the family gathering guys yep we got to go see uh derek joe jonathan valentine and actually a couple people that if you guys listen to the episode that they've got coming out 
I think before our technically it should be out Wednesday. We get to meet up with Scott and Second Matt. Yep, and uh, Brian also chimed in there That's for true. a minute too. That's true. We did have Brian there, so we got to do a really cool Kamigawa uh, draft, which was kind of funny because Matthew, who doesn't play Magic regularly, bought the box, and he hasn't bought packs in so long that when he went to get packs, now there's four different kinds of packs, and he literally kind of had like. A little like shock of like what I what do I get? I just want to draft. Which one do I get? Yeah, but he didn't know what set boosters were yeah. or anything like that. We had a lot of fun. Uh, we drafted. I drafted a mediocre uh, black white deck. I in part because Matt drafted a mediocre blue white deck. Uh, I was I was black white with a splash of yep. blue. And uh, the person next to me drafted a mediocre green white deck. <laughs> or white was very overdrafted at the table, yeah. so I didn't do very well. I think I came in like fourth or fifth. Would yep. you come in? Like, I got second. Second? Yeah. Of course you did. Yeah. And then, <laughs> uh, of course, Joe, the person keeping track of score won? Yep. You don't know how that works? There was a grand conspiracy. Yeah. He, so. got, he was able to bring home those extra four packs and some cup holders. Yeah, the, the coasters were really cool. Derek they, had gone, um, somebody he know, knows, got some like laser etched slate Magic the Gathering coasters yep. where they just have the mana symbol on them. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So I've got, got it propped up in my uh, gaming room now. We had a lot of fun recording. We went ahead and did our draft and played our games, and we all sat around and recorded a like nine-person episode. Yeah, it was total chaos. It was. It great. was so like I'm eager to see how it comes out. I haven't heard it yet, but uh, I'll be listening to it again. I think it comes out on Wednesday, so it should be yesterday for the listener. But keep an eye out for that. Check it out. If you don't listen to any of their stuff, at least listen to that one just to see how well a bunch of a bunch of idiots can record nine separate microphones at one time in one room. Yeah. The. Uh... For anybody who has been listening like since the beginning, I've talked uh, before a couple times about the uh, the play group I had back in like middle school and high school, and that play group was me, Derek, Brian, Ryan, Mike, and Joe, and the family gathering pod- podcast is Derek and Joe, and then we also had Brian there. Mm-hmm. So it was four out of the six of us. So that was just a lot of fun to hang out with. Like I yep. haven't seen Brian in like two years, so it was a pretty fun day. We ended up yep. we left here at like nine in the morning and got back at like eleven o'clock. Yep. So. Nice fun day up in Goshen with... Yeah, uh, a lot of driving. We with, had a 40-minute 40, 40 adventure trying to get Burger yeah. King. <laughs> we had to go to four separate fast food restaurants and still had to wait over 20 minutes in a parking lot yes. to get food. That was ridiculous and hilarious. And oh, my God. I was la- I was laughing so hard. You know how when you laugh too hard, your head starts to hurt? Mm-hmm. We were sitting in the McDonald's parking lot. Our, our, our fourth stop waiting to hopefully have someone talk to us because we every time we went somewhere there was there was one car in the in the employee spot yep so there's one person working and so we you we sat there multiple times long enough to be like is this place even open yep and, and just s- had to leave so we're sitting here and just just dying about how like this is our last chance I've got to pee. I'm starving. Matt's kind of hungry. We have a two-hour drive home, and this is the last chance we have. This ha- this has got to work. Matt's got a countdown going. If it's if we don't have anything in five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, yep. two minutes, we are leaving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was amazing. Yep. Maybe um, we'll go. Maybe we'll go into that more next time because we got a big week. We got a big episode ahead of us. Is that it? Is there anything else? Yeah. That I mean, that's pretty much all I did for the weekend. I mean, we. Uh... Yeah, because I didn't really up. do much. I, that was the kind of the highlight of my weekend yeah, as well. Yeah, that took all Saturday, and then we both had Sunday off, and that's when Amanda and I started playing Stardew Valley, and you said you were just chilling with Sarah mm-hmm. most, yep. of sat- most of Sunday. So. Yeah, ended up taking Sunday off and started doing some some work. I did One thing I did, I will shout out, uh, anyone who listens to us probably has played on MTGO, but if you haven't, 
I went ahead and made a introduction to MTGO and or a video to put on our YouTube channel. So if you never played MTGO, if you never used it, or if you have used it a little bit, I did a little 20-minute video on like how to download it, how to uh, download a deck, how to rent a deck, how to upload a deck into the program and play a deck with some tips and tricks that I found along the way to kind of help you play a little more smoothly. So if you guys want to check that out, just over on the Cantrip Cartel YouTube page. And it's uh, just a little nice 15-minute resource for people that are maybe trying to give MTGO a shot because it gets a lot of shit and I don't think the program is nearly as bad as people complain. It's one of those things like I experience this as well. I'm I don't play on it a ton, but it's very intimidating when you first got especially if you're combining learning MTGO with renting a deck as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that there's a lot of moving parts there. And then when you combine that with okay, well I've got my deck rented. Now I'm gonna start playing games the, the interface isn't super intuitive. It works fine once you've got a mm-hmm. handle on it, but there's a reason why like people don't play certain decks because it takes a certain amount of time. Yep. You're working on a clock. You've got an actual opponent well, who you don't waste their time. Very much like Arena. You are yeah. limited by that you have to go through clicks. You have a chess timer. You have to click on everything. It can be annoying, but yeah. there's but also a lot of perks to it. Well, that's the thing. That's what I was going to say is if you can get over... That's why this, that video, in my opinion, is actually useful, and I'm not trying to just sit here and, you know blow smoke up your ass actually useful guys no it it is like if if that was around years ago and i'm sure it was but i just but like those kind of things that's what i'm looking for like whenever i go into something i'm looking for exactly that where it's like i don't want to spend an hour but i need somebody to spend 10 or 15 minutes showing me like pitfalls Mm -hmm. and the basics and then once i have that i'm good to go yep so i was actually i haven't watched it yet but i actually plan on watching it like so i can learn (laughs) because i at least i don't play i don't play moto much so I'm, the, uh, it's a really cool thing. Like I said, if you never used it and you like playing magic. So one of the things I, as I was cl- closing the episode out, I went over and checked the commander tab and like, there was actively like seven spots available for commander, like people looking for a commander game. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, if it's like Saturday night and you kind of just want to play a little magic for an hour or two, you can go find a commander game all hours of the day, just instantly sit down and play commander with some people. And it's not commander at its best. But it's still Commander. I have played dozens, if not hundreds, of matches on of Commander online, and it's tons of fun. Yeah. the The big thing with me with Commander and Strangers is I won't like I won't drive to a card shop to play Commander with Strangers. Mm-hmm. Just sitting at your computer. If you're having a bad time, you just bail. Yeah. So like, Happens but if you're me. stuck at a card shop and you're dealing with a bunch of people who just don't get the format or whatever yeah. for like, whatever it, reason, it, you're not it, having a good time. If people you, want to tilt you off or like be a jerk, it's like I don't have to deal with this guys. Right. So you just bail. And right. to be fair, there is a lot of that that happens. Yeah, it does happen sometimes. <laughs> you, sometimes you'll just win a game because you'll counterspell a dude, and uh-huh. he'll be like, "Oh, you're playing counterspell? <laughs> I'm quitting." <laughs> there, there are some less than agreeable people that play Magic. Yep. You're on the internet; they're everywhere. Yep. Before we get started this week, I do want to give a big shout out to Will and Aramis over at the Plains Talkers Podcast. Like I said before, we're proud members of the Plains Talkers Podcasting Network. Every Monday and Wednesday, you can check out their Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Plains Talkers Podcast for either their standard-oriented podcast on Mondays and their Commander Craft on Wednesdays. Monday, you'll get everything you need to know about playing standard and meta shakedowns and cards coming in and interesting developments, along with news, kind of like us. And Wednesday, you can hop over to either watch them play live Commander over Spell Table or if you join the Discord, discord.playingsuckerspodcast.com, you can even join in on a spell on a spell table game. Will saves a seat pretty much every week for at least one new player for one of the two games they play every week. So Monday, Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard, PlainSuckersPodcast.com or the Twitch or the Discord or all that stuff. Head over there, check them out, let them know we sent you. And 
I think that's everything before we get started today. So, Matt, how is Legacy looking? Yep. So before we do get started on Legacy, I just want to say, so after last week, we got quite a bit of feedback from people that... Immediately. Immediately. Like, we were getting it, like, the episode drops on Thursday morning, and by 9 o'clock, we've got feedback from people posting a lot, saying they really want us to keep going on Legacy. They know it kind of currently sucks right now, but they want us to keep doing it. That's what we said last week. If we get an out, like an outpouring of like feedback that we should keep going, then we're going to keep going. Yeah. Like fundamentally, like Jake and I want to enjoy what we're doing, but fundamentally we're, we need to be putting out a good product for you guys. Well, it isn't that we don't enjoy talking about legacy. We, there's a potential we could enjoy other things equally. Right. And if you guys aren't enjoying it, then we won't talk about it. But like I said, I mean, like within the first six hours of the podcast being up, I'd already made my mind up that we're still talking about legacy. Yeah. Just the number of messages we got of people being like, I really like leg- legacy. You guys don't, you know, I appreciate your feedback. I appreciate your whatever. Yep. Which, I mean, first of all, thank you everyone who reached out. It's super nice to hear from you guys or ladies. And secondly, immediately, like, yeah, we'll keep talking about legacy. Yep. So all that out of the way. A, yep, we're still talking about legacy. B, uh, hasn't changed much. <laughs> What do you mean? So, hey, uh, is it Delver isn't even the most common deck, sort of. Yeah, other is other. <laughs> oh, no, Delver second also with eight. Yeah. So uh, we'll just same thing. Go over our top eight. Not really anything. Uh, oh, the top eight's cool. The top eight's not bad. The meta game um, is not any better, but the top yeah. eight's cool. And, and even the top eight still has two Delver in it. Shh. <laughs> but the top eight, we've got Nick Fox. Bringing it home with eight mulch. Yeah. So we've talked about this a couple times. Uh, I'm really excited. Just, I love the fact that it's actually a real deck. Mm-hmm. Like, it was really cool to see people. Like, I wasn't obviously involved in the brewing of this deck, but I've kind of watched it because we check the metagames every week. Yep. Watch this deck go from like 5 0 leagues and hearing about it on like the subreddit where people are brewing it and whatnot to like it's starting to make it into the challenges. And now it's, I think this is its first win. I could be wrong there. Um, but even if it's not like it's top eight at a couple and now it's bringing home a uh, win. So congratulations, Nick Fox. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Congratulations to all the people who were involved in the brewing of this deck. This and eight cast to me, I think are the newest two decks in legacy. Yeah. I, I'm, as far as like fundamental new decks. And this by quite a bit. This is, yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited. And it's not, it's not very often that a deck just appears out of nowhere with no new cards being printed for it. Right. Like, this deck didn't show up because something came out in whatever the last set was, Kamigawa. Yeah. Like, this came out because somebody thought Mulch and Winding Way were... Were good enough to make it work. Yeah. That's And that's amazing. So, good job, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Uh, just going through the list... There's one cool thing I saw in here that I don't, I haven't seen in them, is... F- Flame jab. Yeah, flame. I was. I saw that as well. A really cool way to convert those extra lands into very efficient but very direct damage. Yep. Yeah. Just poking for one. So it's I mean, not... I, I, if flame jab. If you haven't seen it, because I, I didn't. I'd never seen this. A one red sorcery flame jab deals one damage to target creature or player with retrace. So you can basically cast it from your graveyard by paying the cost and discarding a is it a card or is it a land? A, it's a land card discarding a land card from your hand so yeah. you get to turn all so those extra one lands land, and then you chuck it in there and then especially when you combine that with light from the loam yeah. you get those lands back um it's essentially a three you get to make, do a three mana lightning bolt every turn yeah. if you've got nothing better to do yes but ideal like realistically you're not going to be poking like a player with this but it's going to do a great job keeping the board clear mm-hmm. it's kind of like a uh a really janky punishing fire yeah that's a good way of looking at it where it's just this recurrable removal Pretty good um, against your uh, D&T matchups. Yeah. 
And again, since you you don't ever have to cast it without using retrace. So it's perfect. You could just life from the Loman into mm -hmm. the graveyard. So you don't have to run more than one copy. Realistically, you're going to hit it pretty often between mulch, winding way, and life from the loam. You're milling yourself plenty. Just chuck it in there. And now you have access to this retrace spell. So you never yeah. need more than one copy. So there's even a second one on the sideboard. Like it isn't just a like one of whatever. Like that they're Yeah, this they're on that plan. They're on that plan for sure. At least for some decks. Obviously yeah. for some matchups. Oh yeah. I mean the, I mean that would be a Amazing card against Death and Texas. Yep. <laughs> I mean, like, I Thalia is going to be one of your big... Thalia and... I guess you're not drawing a, you're not drawing extra cards, so you wouldn't care about Spirit. But yeah, Thalia... Spirit's a beater. Yeah. I like, mean, it's got three power. They ha the, the, the X1 is a serious thing in the... Um, and again, land... Or uh, not lands. Uh, elves. Yeah, it's true. Elves. To, help, to help keep elves slow. I mean, it kills uh, a pre-flipped Delver or pre-Delirium DRC. Yep. Um, Snapcaster Mages... Uh, young Peasy's not really a thing so much anymore, but it would kill him and all his tokens. It's not. It's not. It's not. He's like, not crazy to see a young Peasy. He's just yeah, not common. Brazen borrower. Oh yeah, kills brazen borrower. Like there's there's a lot of things in legacy. A lot that have, of targets. It's kind of funny. Like legacy is divided down the middle between creatures that survive bolt and thus have a four butt, and everything else seems to always have a one butt. It's because once it. Once it dies to bolt, yeah, it doesn't you just matter want anymore. efficiency at yeah. that point. Nothing is diff in legacy. There's not much of a difference between a two three and a two one. Yep, and your two ones are usually a little cheaper. Yeah, the only the only real difference would be something like plague engineer, but because black sucks outside of yeah, a few things. You, I mean, that's one of the best things to happen to elves for a while is just black sucks. Dude, I'm telling you, with all these new Grixis and Esper cards coming out, I think we're gonna see a revival of black. I hope not. There's a yeah, shut up. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, There's, I think there's a reason to buy yourself into black now. Like, black just didn't have anything to buy you into it. With the couple tools we're getting out of new Capena, I think we might have an excuse to buy into black. So I'm excited to see what happens in the coming weeks. We're not going to do a, a, a spoiler episode or whatever. Yeah. Plenty of podcasts do that. I don't think anybody really enjoys them that much past the first one. But I, I think there's some stuff in there. If you're playing Esper or Grixis. I do like the Esper card. The Vindicate, basically. The uh, Void Pseudo, Rend. Yeah. That's a, that's a decent card. Yeah. It's just it's three mana. It's Esper, destroy target, non land permanent, uncounterable. Yeah. Um, so for all intents and purposes, it's like it's the power of a four drop in Legacy. Yeah. So a lot of these cards are running up against March of Other March of Otherworldly Light and Prismatic End. That's what the just the immediate comparison mm -hmm. is. So it's just one of those things where like I think uh, Voidrend compares pretty favorably with Prismatic Ending. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it's not nearly as efficient for like in the early game. Yep. But well, it's exactly where Prismatic Ending starts to lack. It kind of it picks up. Yeah. As it, I'm eager to see. I'm really eager to see if it's if it's a, enough of a reason to buy you into Black because yeah. Black has some very powerful things to be doing. They're just not in reason enough. Yep. And Voidrend and some other cards might be reason enough. Anyway, I guess back to this deck. Yep. Second place. This isn't technically speaking blue red delver. There was actually a little bit of a stink on the subreddit about it. Um, this feels a lot, like, a lot like more like a mid range deck to me. Basically, <laughs> they're just to me. This this looks exactly like I'm not trying to kill you as soon as possible. I I mean, obviously they're still going to do that with the cards they have, but the deck isn't geared towards being like crazy aggressive. They're going to dial back the aggression a little bit. And then have just a little bit more of a grindier game. This looks to me just like a Delver deck. Yeah. I get there's we're looking at a change of like three cards, three or four cards to make it. I, I, this to is be, well. The big thing with me is taking out DRC. To me, means you're not trying to be as aggressive because like not only is DRC one of your best threats and or not DRC but Delver, 
Yeah. Not only is Delver one of your best threats, they did also take re- the RC out. No, it's in there. It's. Oh nope! I yeah. yeah I was. I don't know why I was. I stopped. You're used ig- to seeing it in the second slot yeah, because ig- Delver goes first. Ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, dumb. So yeah. 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 So you, but replacing it specifically with Snapcaster Mage, which is a very mana intensive card and one that you you don't just play Snapcaster Mage on curve. Mm-hmm. You wait until you can get some sort of advantage out of it. Obviously, you're still going to be very aggressive with those two cards, but you're not trying to be. You're not trying to the like the pedal's down, but it's not floored. Uh, is I, basically what I'm getting at. Yep. So it's it's Delver, just a little less. Especially with something I mean, like it, Predict. It, in fairness, it is Delverless Delver. Yep. So again, these aren't. They're not huge changes. The deck yeah. is ninety-five percent the same. Did you read through the key changes? Hmm? Did you read through the key changes? I didn't. I I, I was reading and then oh, I didn't listen. No. So we've got you. We took out Delver. We put in Snapcaster Mage for two with two of them. Um, it's got an unholy heat main, but that's not really a super big change. We lost a Days in a, a wasteland, and then put in two Predicts, and then we've got three Mishra's Bobbles. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the those are the big like fundamental changes. Yeah. Um, that to me doesn't scream like. Pure mid range. Does have counterbalance on the side. It does, and I've actually seen that a little bit in um, just blue red Delver lists. They guys kind of been floating around. Uh, the predict in there that is very much not an aggro card. No, that's just card advantage. That's just card that, advantage. That's, that's just expressive iteration in five and six. That's what I mean by what I'm. That's what I mean by like when you're dialing back the aggro just a little bit to just get slightly more cards yeah. in general. But I, I still think I still think I disagree with anyone who wants to call this a mid-range deck or anything close to a mid-range deck. Like I get, so I, I mean, we talked about it earlier. This is like this isn't just a Delver deck. This is a mid-range Delver deck, but it's way closer to Delver yes. than it is to mid-range. Well, some I mean, the if you want to talk about a mid-range Delver deck, to me that is Jeskai Delver. When back before they banned Ragavan, yeah, you've got prismatic endings, swords to plowshares, mm-hmm. yeah. like that. To me, you don't even have Delver in it because it was just uh, DRC Ragavan and Murktide. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is what mid-range Delver looks like. This is I want to be slightly more grindy, probably to prey on the other Delver decks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, like that's basically what it is. Like it's it's still Delver. You know this. You know it make this deck a lot better. Delver secrets. In too deep. <laughs> Disagree, and we'll talk about that in a minute. What's um, up next? In third. Here's we, a solid like tier two, tier three deck we haven't seen in a long time. Yes, and this to me is something I had talked to Jake about earlier. Uh, we had kind of a bad connection um, on our phones, but Chalice of the Void made a little bit of a comeback in this challenge, and I think primarily because there's so much Delver, like there's actually, there's not a ton of control, so you don't see a ton of prismatic endings, and that just... Gives you know, well, Chalice Pris- Prismatic just put a foot in the door. Prismatic is the only thing holding Chalice at bay. Like we all know that. The only reason people aren't playing Chalice is because Prismatic ending. Yeah. Is well, everywhere. it was definitely the straw that broke the camel's back. Where you've just got we've got a an ever increasing amount of removal that yeah. gets it for one, on top of force of negations, force of wills, all that kind of stuff. It just keeps getting more and more. Without ending, did they did we run anything that was like main board removal for Chalice? What do you mean? Who's we? Uh, Just like blue white decks or control decks or I don't think we did. Not main board, and that's the that's 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 the point. Biggest problem because Chalice used to be free games. Yes, where it was turn one land. uh, If you don't have force of will, 
land Elvish Mystic or yeah. turn one soul land Chalice, you've now got four dead cards in your hand. Yeah. That's and like obviously games two and three, you're really geared up to beat Chalice because you just fold to it. But when you get when you can get free games, that's just that's cheat mode. Yep. Well, and even if they force it, you're looking at him to Turok. Yeah. Which stick- isn't the worst card. It's not where you want to no. be. You'd rather Chalice them, but yeah. you're still ahead on cards in that scenario. So I I think that was I mean like obviously it, like Chalice wasn't in the best place. But I really think... It's more like the brick that broke the camel's back. Yeah. <laughs> like the camel, a, a straw could have broke it, and then we dropped a 10-pound yeah, weight on it. Yeah, we put a it. cinder block on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, prismatic ending was... And, and then the, this this top eight is a pr- relatively prismatic ending light yep. um, pr- top eight. On top of, you know, is it Delver is absolutely unable to run prismatic ending. Jeskai Delver probably could, but we're not seeing much Jeskai Delver. Yeah. That, so, that basically went out the window once yeah. Ragavan was banned. And so actually, it, makes, it kind of died down even before they banned Ragavan. It makes total sense that um, decks with Chalice are preying on the decks they used to, which is Delver. So, anywho, yeah, what, got, aside, what, what actually got third place? In third place, we got uh, MTG Goldfish is just calling it Eldrazi Aggro. Uh, which, it's mono-green mono Eldrazi. Yeah, it's mono-green Eldrazi. The green is Elvish Spirit Guide and Once Upon a Time. Yep. Uh, it's basically a colorless deck. Uh so anybody, I don't think we've actually talked about this deck. No, we haven't. It's never since we talked really about top aided. We talked about plenty of uh, what's the twelve post decks, but nothing that's like just legit Eldrazi aggro. Yep. So the fundamental, like the backbone of this deck, is working off Ancient Tomb and City of Traders and Eye of Ugin. Yep. With just a bunch of soul lands to cast the uh, colorless Eldrazi. So mm-hmm. if anybody who doesn't know, you've got stuff like Endless One, which is just X for an XX. Um, you got Which, walking. Uh, oddly enough, is atrocious in a prismatic ending format. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm gonna spend six mana and make a six six. Your turn. Cool. I'm gonna White. pay one to kill it. <laughs> and you know what? You don't even gain six life. Fuck right. you. Um, we've got walking ballista, which is pretty much a staple in this. Um, uh, doesn't look like they've got any way to actually abuse it other than just the fact that it's walking ballista. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Eldrazi mimic. Uh, it's a two one for two. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may change Eldrazi mimic. Eldrazi mimics base power and toughness to that creature's power and toughness. Whenever a colorless creature. Yeah. But yes. Uh, So what often happens is you'll have something like Reality Smasher or Thought Not Seer come into play after your turn one Eldrazi mimic. And now you've got two five fives or four fours. Yep. And they just start beating face immediately. Yeah. Um, Elvish Spirit Guide to power out quicker stuff. Um, Matter Reshaper. It's a three mana three two. Uh, when it dies, real reveal the top card of your library. You may put that card onto the battlefield if it's a permanent with CMC three or less. Otherwise, put it into your hand. So it gets a bunch of stuff in the deck just in general. <laughs> for the for one of the first times in Legacy, even hitting a chalice onto zero isn't that bad. Right. And there's yeah. Go ahead. There's just there's plenty there's plenty of opportunity there's plenty of times and there's plenty of matchups where you could flip a chalice on zero and be like, oh, that's a yeah. I would have done that anyway. Yep. Um, and thought not seer four four that based. I won't go through the whole thing. It effectively thought seizes your opponent. Yep. They get the card back when it dies, but it almost never dies. Well, they don't get the card back. They, well, they get, to, get draw to draw a card. card. Yeah. Much worse, in my opinion. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, certainly different. In in the circumstance that if I get an early thought not seer and I take your best card, and then you get a random draw later. Yeah. I Most circumstances, you would rather have them have a random one than one in their hand. I oh, agree. sorry. I meant for myself. Yeah. I meant, like, for your opponent, it's way worse to draw a card yeah, that's instead what I mean. of get your card like, back. I, okay. It's just one of those... It's magic, so there's always the corner case. Like, yeah, you it's could totally, definitely the best thing to do. You could totally thought not seer away their land or their thought sees on turn eight or whatever. Yeah, and they draw Merc Tide. Correct. But, but most of the time, this thought is not- magic, and all we do is talk about corner yeah. cases. 
Most of the time, Thought Not comes down on turn two. You take their bomb answer or their bomb threat, and then four turns later, they can answer it, and they are at eight life or six life, and they draw a land. And it's like, yeah. cool. So, um, and then we've got Reality Smasher, five mana for five, five, trample haste. Whenever uh, it becomes the target of spell an opponent controls, counter that spell unless its controller discards a card. Matt, that's called Ward. Yeah. There's literally Ward discard a card. Yep. So, so. on a five, five, trample haste for five. <laughs> yeah. So especially that's the big, like, it's not the biggest play, but that's some of the more aggressive plays is like an Eldrazi Mimic followed up by a Reality Smasher is take 10. Take 10. And then, like, again, you're going to follow it up with something else. This is the Delver of Colorless. Yeah. It doesn't, it does not pressure your resources as in the same way Delver does with Dazes and Wastelands, but it does pressure your life total way more efficiently because it just swings for between five and 10 on turn three. Yes. You're immediately going to start taking damage. Yeah. It's scary. Um, once upon a time, again, perfect hands. That's that card is just nuts in this deck. Uh, especially your like all the deck is as creatures and lands, and mm-hmm. all the creatures and lands are incredibly powerful. Yeah, <laughs> like that. I can't imagine a scenario where that card really genuinely misses. You're looking at ten. Th- th- this deck has ten spells in it. Right. Ten non-creature, non-land spells. So, and then you got dismember again. Another. Just it's it's col- the best colorless removal. Colorless removal. Than Chalice of the Void, like we were talking yep. about, and the deck really takes off of these Soul Lands and Eye of Ugin. Yeah, Eye of Ugin is bonkers. Yep, like that, just that'll generate bonkers. a lot of mana quickly. Yeah, so colorless Eldrazi spells cost two less. Yep, so you Strong. go Eye of Ugin, Mimic, Mimic. <laughs> Next turn, <laughs> chuck a Elvish Spirit Guide and a play a land and a Reality Smasher and just hey, take fifteen. Fifteen, and that's not the thing is that's not even that unheard of. Like mm. the fundamentals of this deck absolutely dominated modern until they banned eye of ugin yeah and when this stuff like it's kind of like again we haven't talked about it for a while because it hasn't really been in the metagame but when all these came out eldrazi were everywhere mm-hmm. in legacy and modern like this is a very the core of this deck is very powerful mm-hmm. it's just kind of a little bit been outpaced by the power creep in magic is like this was power creep and then it, this stuff has for the most part kind of been left mm-hmm. behind too fundamentally at least in modern because of Ayavugan being banned and good I mean any land that just produces eight <laughs> for like no reason <laughs> that card's nuts fourth place oops all spells so something, something must be wrong there's no lands in this deck there are lands in this deck oh they're spells yep they're spells so there've been a bunch of different types of decks that try to do this thing this this, like, I'm not going to run any lands. This particular t- list really started to kick off with the flip cards. Yeah. The, the yeah, the, the spell lands. Yeah. The MDFCs, modal double face cards. Yeah. The spell lands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we'll just go over it quickly. I, I mean, like, we, we've gone through this before. Yeah. It, it, it's a Thassa's Oracle. Yeah, Thassa's Oracle. It abuses Undercity, ba- Undercity Informer or Balistrad Spy to essentially put your graveyard, put your deck in your graveyard. That will trigger four Narc Amoebas, so those all hit the board. You can then use those to sacrifice, or so you can sacrifice those to cast a Dread Return and get Thassa's cast Oracle. Thassa's Oracle. That's the and g- win. That's the gist of the deck. Yep, that's literally how it wins, and it's uh, and it's just ways to do that with thing and then things to protect it or help us facilitate it, like Summoner's Pack, Pact of Negation, some disruption, some mana acceleration, a, a lot of disruption actually. Yeah. So 
like that's the deck. It's 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 very similar to things like what's the modern deck that I'm trying to think of that Cascade, the Cascade decks in modern. Mm-hmm. You're very priced into what you can run because you have a very linear plan. There's only a few cards that facilitate it. There's not many cards in Magic that just dump your graveyard in, or your deck into your graveyard. Yeah. So you're running the best ones of those. There's only one Thassa's Oracle, and there's only one way to re- to reanimate it for free by sacking creatures. Yep. Yeah. Sideboards and these sideboards are pretty standard. Chancellors, Force of Vigors are a must because you just you you fold to graveyard hate. You fold to a lot of counter magic. It's a very glass cannony combo. Yep. Xanted Swarm is always a really cool thing to see for like the little bit slower plan to basically hope of gear for somebody. Yeah. Hit them. You can't now. You can't do anything. Yeah. You gotta. You have to protect that turn. Yes. Because uh, now that they've had a, a sideboard against you, you have to play around that. Yep. You get the swarm out because. A lot of players are going to side out the removal. Why do you need swords against a deck like this? Mm-hmm. Thassa's Oracle doesn't care about swords anyways. Nope. Then you bring in the swarm, punch them with it. Now you're free to go off. Yeah. This deck is very much like Doomsday, where when you try, you win or lose. There's no try again. There's yeah. no maybe next you've, turn. You've milled your whole deck. Yeah. <laughs> you will Thassa's win. Oracle somehow didn't go off. Yeah. The game ends this turn no matter what. So you have to make sure it ends in your favor. Uh, in fifth place, we've got... Anarog, Anarog with four color control, Yorion four color control, just mm-hmm. so we know. Uh, got the typical 95 cards for an Orion, a Yorion deck. Uh, this is a very grindy deck. Mm-hmm. Like, even more so than some of the other Life from the Loam control decks we've seen. And we'll go into why there's a very cool little interaction here that he one, uh, put in. One carpet in the main. Noise. Yep. <laughs> well, that's like. It, Delver's 30% of the meta. Yeah. Yep. Pack your carpets, people. 100%. And you can always just take them out against the Prismatic Ending deck. Yep. So we won't go over the whole list, but we'll just get the gist of it. Snapcasters, Uros, Timeless Dragons, Grindy Creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got four Narset of the Veil, which is a very good card just in general and does some broken stuff. Not broken, but some very powerful stuff with some of the other cards in I'd here. argue that three mana for a one-sided, you can't... Oh, uh, what's, what's, what's the creature that everyone references? What's the creature that... Uh, it's, a, it's a four mana with flash in it. The whole creature? No, it was older than that. It, it it stops people from drawing. You get to draw. Oh, that's Leovold. There's one with Flash that you'd cast in response and like Commander, and you, they don't get to draw. Oh, Notion Thief. Notion Thief is the effect people reference. Yeah. A three mana one sided Notion Thief. Although I think don't you get to steal the cards with that one? Yeah, technically. Yeah, that one is closer to Hole Breacher, basically. I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But still. Yeah. I don't get that's broken. I think that's three mana for a one sided effect. That's broken. Anywho, it's no. Not... Let's let's spend five more minutes trying to remember what yeah. what, what some <laughs> random cards are. <laughs> right. Um. It's not. It's obviously not broken in the sense of legacy. Right? Yeah, he sees very I, I, little play within the context of the format. Narset is fine. I don't like the design. I don't like asymmetrical stacks effects. That's neither here nor there. Um, then we've got the typical stuff that we've talked about a lot. This deck does run one terminus, uh, but you've got life from the loam, expressive iteration, prismatic ending, swords. Like it's a control deck. That's your the bread and butter. Obviously, it's got the cantrips as well. Um, abundant growth for mana fixing, carpet of flowers for some advantage against those Delver decks. And then the most interesting thing about this deck, and this is it's not that this has never been seen before, but he's got one Cephalid Coliseum. And for those of you who don't know what that does, it's a land, it comes into play untapped. You can tap to add one blue, it deals one damage to you. If you have Threshold, you can pay a blue, sacrifice it, target player draws three cards, then discards three cards. Threshold is seven or more cards in your graveyard. Yes. So if you've been paying attention... You use that with Narset, Parter of Veils, and Life from the Loam. You can, can also just use it to dig. You can't. It is, it, don't it, get it, wrong. It it's, isn't terribly inefficient digging. Yeah. It's actually really good. It's just one of those things where, like... It's better. It's way... With, you can just 
absolutely mess up your opponent's game plan. Just, yeah. hey, I'm going to pay two. You're going to draw a card, then discard three. <laughs> yeah. With the NAR set out. Is it, it's not even at sorcery speed, is it? Uh, no. Yeah. On your draw step. Yeah. Bink. Discard three cards. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that's, and then you're just using life from the loam to get it back every yep. turn. Like, that is grindy with a capital G. Mm-hmm. And some really fun tech. So I'm, I'm really happy to see Timeless Dragon finding more and more space in Legacy. As soon as that card came out, I did not get the reference because I wasn't here for Eternal Dragon. Yeah. But when I saw that, that just screams a crazy busted card to me. A, uh, I mean, the plane cycling is sort of neither here nor there. It's a good addition that didn't need to be there. Yeah. Like, well, the it's best good. thing about it is it puts it in your graveyard. Yeah. I, like, I'm compared to like regular, if it just cycled for two. Yeah. But like, plane cycling is still great. I'm not going to complain about it. And then the ability for four mana to make a four four flyer with CMC five. Yeah. Is so strong. Like, as we're and like. We everyone knew this, and one of the reasons why the, the card we're going to talk about later is so powerful. I think everyone undervalues uncounterable. Insert anything mm-hmm. like things can be so expensive, and if they're uncounterable, they're playable. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. so you could say the the cost of running whatever that so Odawara o- the Soaring City. It's a four mana bounce spell. That's a lot. Yep. When you have things like Unsummon, Vapor Snag, but uncounterable makes it so playable. Yeah. I I, I think. Me, me as well, but I think people so often misevaluate uncounterable on an ability that's any kind of relevant. And this, like, this is slowly eking its way into these control lists, these grindy control lists, where yeah, I'm just gonna spend four mana at the end of your turn to make a four four. That's very hard for you to answer. Yep. Well, the biggest thing with me, especially in this list, is what you're trying to do with that. Um, the uncounterable obviously matters because sixty percent of the meta is blue. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's just the elephant in the room. Yeah. That's the biggest reason why. The Timeless Dragon to me is interesting because other than Murktide, it just craps all over anything Delver wants to do. Yeah. it It's not blue, so you can't Pyroblast it. It's got four or five toughness, so you can't bolt it. Mm-hmm. Like, you get a Timeless Dragon out, the only card in their deck you have to worry about now is Murktide. Yeah. And you have plenty of answers for that. Unless they're willing to two-for-one themselves, like right. throw in at, a Delver, and, bolt it. And at it. that point, you're... <laughs> Cool. You're winning anyways. Yeah. If they're two for oneing your timeless dragon, which means you've already gotten they're mm-hmm. they're three for oneing themselves at that yeah. point because you've either plane cycled it or cast it and they've killed it before. Yeah. Which case you're four for one. <laughs> like the timeless dragon's really solid. And in, in these decks, yes. like I get there's a lot of decks that this there has no place being. Oh, but there's plenty. I mean, in these decks, that is such a strong card. Yep. Yeah. I'm actually not in this particular list, but if I remember correctly, I don't think. Nope, it did. Cool. I was just. Uh, I was in my head comparing it to the Wandering Emperor, so it's a, it's it, a it, it it occupies a similar slot for sure in that like that that four to five mana finisher slot. Yep. So I I yeah the comparison's a little iffy. Other than like I said, they they live in that they, in they a similar the same role a similar role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fifth place or uh, sixth place is a Delver. I don't think there's really much to say here. There's literally nothing different about this. Oh, there's probably something. There's probably there's one somewhere. Don't worry. I'm sure he ran a polluted delta instead of a flooded strand. Yeah. <laughs> so again, that's not to take away from anything he's done as far as accomplishment goes, but I think we're just done talking about is Delver. Yep. And then we've got Jeskai Control, which is the one I was looking for. This list is a uh it's not Yorion, so obviously the list is gonna look a little cleaner and it's a little more uh like a straight draw go kind of deck. It does have a lot of planeswalkers in it, and he does have one timeless dragon and one wandering emperor. Have you seen the art on that wandering emperor? Yeah, it's some like special something or other. I thought I'd seen all the promo arts, and I haven't seen that one. Yeah, that's not the greatest. Yeah, this has got this has eight planeswalkers in it. Yeah. Holy cow! That's a lot. That's a lot. So don't get me wrong. By saying draw go, I was not 
saying they're never casting sorcery speed stuff. Yeah. But it's not like commit a bunch of like creatures and stuff to the board like the four color one was. Whereas, I mean, that four color one had like twice as many creatures as this has planeswalkers. Um, but we've got Narset again, Teferi, uh, I should say three fairy, uh, two Jace. Jace is back in it. I, don't get me wrong. Way to go. Uh, use of the clouds. I don't think Jace has any place in a format that is like 55, 60% Pyroblast. Yep. It's a good card, though. It's a good card. And, well, to me, that just speaks to the power of Jace. Yeah, that's true. That's a good, that's a good way to put it. The card, I, I'm with you. It's definitely has, it's been dethroned, but it's still, it's just good enough, in my opinion, that it's like, if you stick one. It's a. It's very much a. If you stick one, the mm-hmm. if has become a capital I F, because of all the forces and pyroblasts everywhere. But it still takes over a game. Like I mean, brainstorming every turn is just backbreaking. Mm-hmm. So I can see that. I definitely understand the temptation there. I don't. I if I was running it, I don't know if I would or not. But I understand the allure of Jace. And then one uh, wandering emperor. And we got this typical spell package for control. Nothing spicy there. Uh, then we got dress down back to basics, which you should love, Jake. Um, this deck oh. is only one running one tundra and one volcanic. I just so don't it's think back to basics is in a good place. Huh? It's just again, I don't, I don't disagree. The, it's the uh, the problem is like the mana bases absolutely are there to be punished, but we've got sixty four fifty percent of um, whatchamacallit, pyroblast, and like it just nothing feels yeah. worse than tapping out on your turn three to catch them. And then and, they just play volcanic and nuke it. Yeah. So you you time walk them sort of. Yeah. 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 But like and there's, but heaven forbid you only catch three of their four lands or two of their three lands and they're like yeah float red. Yeah. Dead. Yep. Um. And then we got shark typhoon. Uh. Rest of this list doesn't. Notably a good finisher. Shark typhoon is a very oh, strong yeah, that, finisher. That. Like there this deck this deck doesn't have many ways to finish the game other than the one timeless dragon a Teferi ultimate a lot of turns with wandering emperor. Yeah. Or a resolved shark typhoon, or even a couple big sharks. Yep, and that's basically what you're going for. Yeah. Um, sideboard doesn't look to be super spicy. These sideboards in these control decks are just tuned to be- beat the meta, so they change. But I don't see anything about the spiciest thing. It's not really even spicy. Is Kozilek's return? Mm-hmm. We've seen it before, but it hasn't popped up. TCG in a while. Wandering Emperors are thirty five bucks a piece. Yeah. Boy, those started as fifteen, and they have just kept marching their way oh, up. That was another thing we called here. Yeah, on Cantrip Cartel. Yep. Um, I'm glad. I mean, I only got two. I'm glad I got my two. I don't think I. I don't see myself running more than two in most decks. But yeah, I'm glad I got mine at like. Well, you have to leave room for your timeless dragons. Exactly. And those are only forty cents. Yeah. (laughs) Looks like I'm running four timeless dragons Uh and one wandering emperor. (laughs) What brought it home, Matt? Or what? What? What brings home the rounding out the top eight? We've got Doomsday, and this is Murktide Doomsday, Mm -hmm. which to me, if that doesn't speak to the ridiculous nature of this card i don't know what else to tell you just a great backup plan what are you talking about it sure is um you could i think you can most games you could cast doomsday and put murktai as your first card and it's good enough realistically you could still win yeah because you could draw murktai cast it wouldn't and, it just be huge like yeah it, well be, oh does do, am i just no you're right you can't you can't because you'd have nothing in your graveyard. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, it exiles, exiles the rest your of your graveyard. Yeah. You can't do that, guys. Never mind. What you can do is you can cast a Murktide on turn four, and then on turn five, cast Doomsday, and they're fucked one of two ways. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, that uh, creature's hard. You've got Baleful Strix, Malevolent Hermit, Athos's Oracle, duh, Street Wraith, and then Murktide Regent. The Malevolent Hermit is a really cool tech. Mm-hmm. We've seen more and more people 
in control style decks, and this takes a control. And this, this is a combo deck, but it has that like one control turn where it has to force itself through. Yep. Uh, picking up this Malevolent Hermit, uh, two mana, two one. It's one and a blue. So you can pay a blue, sack it, and mana leak a creature or mana leak a non-creature spell. Then you can for three mana, two and a blue, cast it from your graveyard, and you get a two-two flyer that says non-creature spells you control can't be countered. Yeah. That's pretty strong. Both of those abilities are strong. And with that ability to sack itself, it's actually really hard to catch this and kill, like, exile it. Yeah. You'd want to, like, source of plowshares it, and it's hard to do because it I- It just sack itself. I'll sack itself. Yep. And you really want the back end more than the front end anyway, for the most Do you think you're time. paying that three? <laughs> I want my spell to resolve. this <laughs> to uh, mana leak your swords to plowshares. Yeah. Oh, I'll play the three. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. You absolutely have the right to do that. Yep. Cool, fizzles. Anywho, so that's our top eight. Uh, not horrible in the top eight as far as no. number goes, but I mean, it's, it's literally representative of the top of 32, which we'll get to in a second. Um, since I brought up Chalice, I did want to quickly go over, I and mean, we're not going to go through the decks, but uh, we also had a just straight colorless artifact deck in uh, 10th place. Oh, nice. And an interesting mono blue deck in uh, with uh, Chalice as well in 9th. So Chalice has really brought it yeah, home this so time. Yeah, so like it was, that's what I was talking about. Like Chalice was legit in there. Uh-huh. So it wasn't just the one deck. As far as the metagame summary goes, uh, we just got other listed as 25%, which to be perfectly honest is good news. That's cool. That means there's between one and eight random decks in there yeah. that they just don't know how to categorize. Yep, lots of weirdos, weird one-ofs or whatever. That's good news. Uh, the bad news is, is, is that Delver is still literally 25%. It's eight out of the top 32, yep. and it was 25% of the top eight. So take that for what you will. Yep. Uh, then we've got Doomsday, Ant, and realistically they're probably including Tess and Ant. Yeah. Those I are... know there's a distinction. This website doesn't make a yep. distinction. We got 10% each on those, though, yeah. or 9.5%. And then Jess Guy Control with two. Yep. So if you're looking at it, it's basically like we were talking about. Other, Obviously, we don't know what's in the others, and I'm not going to go through every deck here, but you've got two Jess Guy Control and one four-color control. So just three that we know about colorless decks running those prismatic endings. Yeah. And now we see, and to be perfectly honest, this is what a lot of people talked about, and this is what we talked about really early in our uh podcast when we started how prismatic ending was kind of the villain behind the curtains where he was that card is keeping prismatic or keeping chalice just gone without without you know asking for a prismatic ending ban prismatic ending probably is not good for the format no it's definitely i i i would 100 percent say it's not good for the format especially when you're getting consistent powerful answers otherwise prismatic ending is a great example of when answers get too good yep even not like they're just they're the wrong answer for the metagame. Mm-hmm. So like prismatic ending, like you could imagine a, ser- a scenario where a card like prismatic ending isn't like it's still as powerful, but isn't quite as good against chalice in and of itself. Like if you just said non artifacts on there, it, you'd be like, okay, well that's fine. Like it's slightly worse. But what if it, what if it checked the color of the permanent or the number of colors it was instead of its CMC? I don't know. So. You could never exile anything that was less than one color. Mm-hmm. So, like, you had to pay white blue to exile a permanent with two colors. Yeah, it even it would hit Merktide for one then. Yeah, something like that. But Obviously, it's not going to happen. That's an interesting thought experiment. But yeah, the fact that Prismatic Ending keeps down the Chalice. biggest individual check to Delver is yeah. contributing help. to these problems. Uh, most played cards: Brainstorm, Ponder, Force Will, Days, Merktide Region. Sixty-six percent on Ponder and Brainstorm. Yep. 
um, top creatures, Murktide, DRC, Delver, oddly enough, with uh, the Delver, List Delver, <laughs> Endurance, and Baleful Strix. Nice. And then um, top spells, Brainstorm, Ponder, Force Will, Day, Surgical. So that's Legacy. All right. We're 15 minutes in. Let's do 15 minutes on why this new card coming out is amazing because it's more relevant to Legacy than anything else. I think the card is going to be good in Modern. Um, I think it's good in a lot of the formats it's going to be legal in, but I think it's really good in Legacy. It's good in everything, though. It's really good in everything. What card is that, Jake? Um, let me pull it up real quick. What was that? I just I said it before, and I can't. It's, it's, it's like, In Too Deep. In Too Deep. Is the yes, name of the yes, card. yes, yes, yes. It's, a new, it's coming out in the new Commander set. So this is an enchantment aura. cost blue, blue, has split second. Enchant creature, planeswalker, or clue. So I guess you could stack them if you wanted to. You could. Well, the biggest reason is it turns a creature into a clue, and if it couldn't enchant a clue, it would just fall off. Oh, that makes sense. So, yeah. I didn't think about it's that. It's just a weird ru- rules interaction. Yeah, it has that, to. Yep. So enchanted permanent is a colorless clue artifact with pay two, sack it, draw a card, and then it loses everything else. It's nothing else. Yep. So I put this up. I put it in a friend group, and I make the statement that this is almost as good, if not as good, as Swords of Plowshares. I think it's definitely better than Path to Exile, and I think it's I it's close. It's close. Now I, I will I misread it when I first read yeah. it. So that's and, a, and I thought it, I thought it had flash, yeah. and it doesn't. So we used to. I actually made this mistake in a tournament once. There was a it was a time spiral uh, tournament, and I was playing. I forget the name of the card, but it was like a four or five protection from blue split second. And everyone I hung out with, most of the people I played with, whenever they see split second, yep. Just the name makes you think it has flash. It, it made me. I just. I thought it had flash. No, it yeah. doesn't. If it did have flash, I would feel very strongly that it's probably better than swords. It'd be much closer for sure, no matter what. But I think this, as far as legacy is concerned, is very close to being as good as swords of plowshares, and in some instances, maybe better because it's uncounterable. It goes through every time. Well, the biggest reason why would be it's planeswalkers. And yes, yeah. On top of yeah, it's. It's uncounterable, and it just has more targets. Um, making the comparison to Prismatic Ending is a little closer, because Prismatic Ending is also sorcery speed, but Prismatic Ending does have more targets, and doesn't give your opponent any kind of benefit when you remove when they, uh, when they you remove their permanent. So a lot of times, in a lot of the decks you're playing swords, giving your opponent life is a serious downside. It's almost always worth it, but like swordsing a 8-8 Merktide and giving your Delver player three more turns is huge. Because if you're playing a control deck, you probably have a relatively slow clock. So them not getting the life is a big part of it. Everyone tells me, well, I've had many people tell me that they're dubious. And Matt said, no, you're just fucking wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I say, I'm definitely saying I disagree. I could be absolutely wrong here. The biggest thing with me, I would be on board with it if it just, because like the, the card I'm comparing it to is Oblivion Ring. I think it's okay. much a much more accurate comparison yeah because they do a because it, it leaves you get and you can't get it back and the biggest thing with me is it does cost one less than oblivion ring but the ability to get that card you're going down on cards with removal and that's just not something i want to do when that's i play fair. that's so that's the biggest thing um i think it's okay because this is the, in your deck this should be reserved for the things that you don't care and the, the case, the example I give, and I've heard a lot of people talking about whether well, this is good against Delver. I think it has legs in the Delver matchup because the things you're removing, you're okay giving them a card. So especially think about, um, obviously there's tons of ways that you just get fucked over the ass with this and they pyroblast it and you're done. But 
especially in the main board, if you run this in the main board, as like uh, maybe one of your prismatic ending slots and one of your sword slots. If on turn four, if you've been answering their threats one for one, which isn't that hard to do in a like a Zorius or Jeskai control list against Delver, I've done it, then they slam that Murktide. You can put this on Murktide. They have the chance, they, now they can keep drawing to wait, or they take their entire next turn, sack it, draw a card. So you've gone down a card, but up a turn. Because they will time walk themselves to draw that card. Because they probably only have two, maybe three lands. I The problem is, if it made them do that, I would agree with you a little bit more, but it just sits there. Yep. So you remove one and then you're even on cards again and that's fine. What they're going to do is they're going to wait till they're actually at an advantage and then they're going to go, well, I don't have anything to do with this two mana. Now I'm going to draw the card. Yeah. So like that, like in the, they're going and, to wait till turns six or seven to do that rather than turns three or four. But you would have died on turn five. So like, are you like, are you well, upset? Are no. you, are you upset that three turns after you would have died? But what they card get to did you card? take out for it? Swords of Plowshares. Yeah. Swords of Plowshares would have just killed it. And given them another three turns. In general, that's, I think it, I would it, much rather them have eight it, life than a card. And but so but in your example, it's so d- does does the idea of time walking them change that equation to you? Like if they if they immediately crack it, I just don't think they would. I, that's so like if I was playing Delver, I would just let it sit. So there. now you get three more turns to kill them. But that's you didn't you haven't extended your clock three turns. You just have three more turns to kill them. But that's not the game that typically or, control decks are trying to do. Mo in most games, the like. In most games, a control player could start at 20 and your Delver player could start at 25, and that wouldn't matter. I think it does. I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm saying in most games, because the way you win with a lot of these is you're going to, A, because we've talked about this before, you're going to save your swords for your Murktides. If you can. If you can. But, I mean, you have just as many swords as they have Murktides. You're both throwing in cantrips, or you force them. Yeah, but they also have... In most decks, obviously that one deck didn't, but you're looking at usually four Delver, four DRC. Yep, and that's what your other removals I mean, for. That's why I, that's why I bumped up to ten removal spells in the main. And I think you're right to do that. Like, so maybe maybe these take your march of, your march of solitude slot, so you then can swords the DRC or swords the. But the biggest thing with me is personally, I don't see why you would run any control deck that's not running red. And if you're talking about Murktide, you just pyroblast it and get force of will or dazed. Yes, but these. Th- if we're talking about, you can't look at the only the upsides of your card and not the downsides. You know well, what I mean? They do almost the same thing. They remove it for a appropriate amount. I mean, I'm going to say appropriate amount of time. If you can get three turns out of it. This is one of those, we, we're not going yeah, to solve this. And a this, lot of people don't agree with me on this, and that's fine. But I, this is where I would end it. I would be willing to bet, and we could timestamp this or whatever, that a month after this card is like released and legal it's seeing zero play in the top 32 i'm expecting one to two in a couple decks yeah there's uh, there's a couple control decks that will run this and i, I expect i don't think there'll ever be a four of i don't think it's going to be a four of but i think one or two i very yeah. much think one or two i think going down on a card or two is totally worth it when you're removing a murktide or an uro or a teferi like this removes the teferi lock i personally think the the void rent is just a better card it costs one more, but it's also uncountable. Doesn't give them a card. Yeah, it is. Like, a lot, it is a lot harder to cast. That that goes into a. It, the thing about that one is, I agree with you. If Esper becomes a thing, because that deck doesn't exist right now. This deck does exist. Sort of blue. I know. <laughs> it was funny. I was talking to Derek, and Derek was talking about how like it's blue, blue, and I was like, Derek, blue, blue isn't too. It, that doesn't count as no. two pips. No. Something costing blue, blue well, doesn't really fair, count. As, I don't. I. To be fair, I don't really. I don't look at a card that costs three colors as a problem in Legacy. And I know in the 
in the strictest oh. technical sense it does. Yeah, but, but not like, really. It doesn't really. The it, only reason, the only reason, in my opinion, it does for Voidrend is again that deck doesn't well, exist. I know, but like as far as just the yeah. comparison of like, like the pips, looking at a Jeskai or a four controller list, yeah, like it's not hard to have your colors even in a Delver world. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at the list where it's like it's a four color deck and they've got Wandering Emperor, Jace, Teferi. Yeah. Like nobody cares that it's got three colored pips. That just doesn't mean anything yeah. anymore. Um, the extra mana is important. I, to be perfectly honest, I don't think Void Rend is going to see much play either. Um, I just think I see the games are two of. In my opinion, if that deck gets built, if we have a reason to run Esper, and there's some really cool reasons to be an Esper, I see two. I see that being a two of for your big bad top end removal. The the biggest thing with me is the comparison with Void Rend to me, like I mentioned earlier, is Prismatic Ending, and I think the value of being able to hit the early stuff early is just too big. It's it's worth more than being uncounterable. But on, maybe, a, on over the course of a million games, because that's what we're talking yeah. about. I think that's worth more. I, I think the first Void Ren might be better than your fourth Prismatic Ending. That could be true. That's I, like, I, I think I think both of these are going to exist oh, in to a be fair, one to two slot. Realistically, what it's going to be, it's going to be you have four Prismatic Endings, and you're talking about removal spells. Like you said, uh, yeah. you're going to have four Prismatic Ending, you're going to have four Swords, and you're talking about removal spell nine and ten. Yeah, that's That's where too. those are going to fall yeah. into. That's, I need. I mean, I don't remember what I took out from my deck when I built it, but I found slots for, yeah, nine and tenth removal. And like I said, the other one is that March of Otherworldly Lights is a solid card, too. It is. There, it's good. It's that, not bad. To be perfectly honest, that's one of the reasons why, like, like these cards, to me, I, they're not super impressive because we've just got a ton. Like, mm. this past year has given us two of the best removal spells ever printed. Yeah. Like sure. it's getting to the point where Swords is starting to fight for its slots. Yeah, it gave us two of the best removal spells ever, and one of them doesn't even see much play. Right. So like I'm telling you guys, look, I I'm on a hot streak with calling cards. I hit DRC and I hit Wandering Emperor. I'm I'm calling my shot in too deep. Yep. You're gonna see one to two of. I agree with everyone else. I mean, everyone said like it's not a four of, and oh, it's clearly. not. No, it's, it's not a four of. One to two of in a select number of control decks, it's gonna be a regular mainstay. Even if it doesn't, and I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't, you know, pop in right away. I'm going to watch it for a while because, like, uh, Expressive Iteration did that, where Expressive Iteration didn't show up until, like, four months later. Oh. But I, this this feels good to me. The fun, so the funny thing is, I actually called, I didn't see it because I didn't really watch. As soon as I saw Expressive Iteration, I was like, holy shit, that card's amazing. Yeah, you, you nailed it. it in a Blue Red Delver You nailed Expressive more like, than I did. I was actually running Blue Red Delver with Expressive Iteration before everyone else was running it in their Blue Red Delver decks. Yeah. Because I was like, holy crap, that card's amazing. So, anywho. I'm right, Matt's wrong. That's fair. We'll see. And then you say. See, I don't really like saying that, though. Now you you're say right. you're right and I'm wrong. I know, but. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It's We'll see. Yeah. Obviously, the stakes are low. You want to put a pack of cards on it? Sure. So... Uh, do I get two months then? Can I have two months? I'll do, to me, I think the long game favors me because, like, the reason I said a month is because I guarantee you people are going to run this. Well, and you might even top thirty-two with it, but I want to see what happens a month to two months later after everybody's had plenty of time so, to use so, it. So, how about that? So, how about we saying no less than a month, no more than two months? If I so, I, I'll get four weeks for it to put what? How many copies in the top thirty-two? I would say one in the top eight. Ooh, that's gonna be hard. Because control, control decks, not, they top eight every week. At least one top eights every week. And you've got, I mean, hell, I'll yeah, even sixteen. If, I'll meet sixteen. What? Can I get? Uh, can I get top two, six, co two copies in the top sixteen? Sure, I'll okay. do that. We're we'll, we'll right down. In and we'll between put a, a month or two, you I'll have. Put, we'll put a pack week, on it. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, I will take that bet. Cool. You we'll can pick the pack as long as it's not one of those stupid hundred dollar double masters packs. <laughs> Collector's booster it is. <laughs> give me that give me that super awesome Hitsugu oh, no, for twelve hundred dollars. To be perfectly honest, that's that's how strongly I feel about this. I'd bet you fifty bucks. Yeah, like I'd put a I'd put a collector's pack on it. Yeah. 
I don't know if you were. I, I'm willing to put a collector's pack on. This yeah. is a fun bet. So yeah, we'll 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 get a month past. We'll set release. We'll get a month past. Then we'll start watching. Now what's going to happen is there is one guy who's actually good at magic, and he's like, you know what? Screw Matt, and he's going to. I'm going to. I'm going like to. <laughs> I'm going to spend. Uh, $400 queuing up for challenges. Yep. And I will say this ahead of time, and I don't mean this to negate the bet or anything, but we have said multiple times that bad cards can top eight. They can. So, again. Yeah. Oh, gosh, no. yeah. If if I get lucky and someone, pull, I mean, someone pulls in the top eight with two of them in their deck, yeah. that doesn't mean the card's got legs. Yeah. It means there's a chance. And it does mean you win the bet. I'm not going to back out on yeah. that. That's the bet. But, yeah, I will also agree that yeah. you can top eight with bad cards in your we've deck, seen 100%. That, I mean, we've seen that happen dozens yep. of times. Alrighty, let's hop over to modern. Yep. Now that we're I mean Elves does it every week. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So the modern metagame looks pretty similar to the way we've been seeing. I don't see any shakeups in modern right now. The the biggest shakeup that I've seen in modern is that blue living end is slowly working its way back to the top and becoming better and better. And I think that's just a result of Blue Living End being the best deck that abuses weak graveyard hate. Now I said that there's only there's only two in the top eight. Or the top 32 here, but it's we're seeing that regular. Or I'm sorry, even like top 16, I think. But like that's the one I've seen like kind of like creeping up the most and like spiking the most. Where it it isn't even the most consistent deck, but like it seems to be the biggest winner from this it's whole. It's probably shift. I think fundamentally what you're getting at is it has the highest ceiling. It has a, a yeah, decent consistency with a super high ceiling. Yeah, that, that, so that it is perfectly right. capable. Like you're routinely you're you're almost never going to see a like a. 25 or 30 percent meta share of living end well not more than twice that's what i mean because like it is super easy to hate out mm -hmm. but if you aren't packing hate for it it is going to steamroll you yeah it's probably doing one of the most broken things in modern right now probably yep like just as far as like sheer ceiling the ceiling is untouched in it my is. opinion but in first place we do not have um living end we've got swift SWFF with Murktide Regent. God so, damn Murktide Regent. Yep, that, is it? Is it Delver again? You know that's probably contributing to my hate of this. It's like we talk about it in Legacy, and, and then we talk bump over. It's like, oh look, it's the look same at these. Look at the creatures. Deck. Yeah, DRC Murktide, Brazen Borrower, and then four Ragavan instead of Delver because Ragavan's better than Delver. Yeah. And then in your spells, this spell suite you expect to see Unholy Heats, Bolts, Considers, Iterations, Three Archmage's Charms. This is the deck we see pretty much every week. Uh, this is the Is It Murktide list we expect. Yep. The uh, the one interesting thing in the side that I see, we do have a six mana Chandra. Uh, good for those like control mirrors. Yeah. Just a six mana uncounterable Planeswalker that... You uh, just need to stick something. Yep, stick something. And it's, I mean, in those control mirrors where if it takes them two or three turns to answer it, giving your opponent, because it's plus one, is you get a token, an emblem that hits you for one every turn. You can get three of those on your opponent. They'll be dead in four turns. Yep. But anything, I don't see anything else uh, crazy interesting in the sideboard here. Second place is a four-color blink list. So this is the Yorion list we expect to see. This isn't the Elementals list we've been seeing with uh, the Risen Reef. This is just things with, like, or things like... Omnath, uh, Four Solitude, only one Fury and Endurance, so a little lower in the elemental count this time. And as a result, we don't even have any uh, Ephemerates. We've actually ditched away from that plan entirely for some better removal things like, uh, you know, Counterspell isn't removal, but Answers, yep. and then Prismatic Ending, March of other Otherworldly Light. I think I'm just going to start calling that March. March. That's the problem is there's five of them, but yeah. we only ever talk about one, because they're yeah. all Marches. March of Black, March of White, March of Blue, March of, I think the Green has a March. But yeah, the March. The March we care about. Um, yeah, two Spreading Seas, that's pretty standard. Everything here looks pretty standard. I don't see anything interesting. Your eight Planeswalkers, Teferi, Ren, and Six. Anything in the sideboard look interesting to you? Nothing in particular. Um, yeah. I think we've seen 
not in a bad way, but we've seen all that stuff before. Yep. This is pretty standard for a four-color blink list. Third place is kind of interesting, something we don't see as often, one of those combo decks that spikes in the same way that, like, um, what's it called? What's that graveyard deck we just talked Living about? Living End. Living End can spike, where, like, if you pack enough graveyard hate, the deck just folds. But if you're not, the deck's hard to beat, and it's Yawgmoth. So Yawgmoth combo using Yawgmoth, uh, Ob- uh, Ron Physician, Giraffe's Messenger, and then, I, you know, one or two other undying creatures just to yeah, immediately win the game. I think you need two undying creatures to kick it off. Yes. It doesn't matter. They don't have to be the same ones. You just need two creatures with yep. undying, and you well, can loop. And life. Yeah, so you, well, you need you need. Typically cre- speaking, I just mean getting going. Once you're going, because yeah. you're drawing cards, you get the other card and you just play it. Well, ideally, I guess. Yeah. But like, it's so an essence warden or a blood artist, something like that. Yeah, with Yogmoth, like it's because Yogmoth being four, and a lot of times you get Yogmoth out with a uh, what's that thing called a court of calling. Yeah, like it's just not super uncommon with how aggressive modern is that you see these decks start to go off. They only have with like, like nine life. Yeah. So you effectively have, if you're hypothetically, let's say you're dodging Bolt, you've only got like six or six draws. Yeah. And so it, it can be scary, but I also have seen plenty of turns where you just have a value turn where it's like, I'm just going to draw four cards and go. I'm going to draw four cards, play three more creatures and go. You know, I'll just beat you to death if I have to. Or set that wall up so you can't get through. And I, now I, I now just have I've to draw. all day. Yeah. I just yeah. have to draw a Court of Calling or an Eldritch Evolution. I, I will never disparage a deck that runs Wall of Roots. <laughs> is that is lo- if you're running this card you get to run that you it's get fine. to run what if you're gonna run wall of roots you can run any card on the ban list <laughs> that was that was the old joke we ran where it's like if you register if your edh deck has only planes you can have Caracas. that's yep. fine 100 <laughs> if you promise to only play got, planes only you can, planes and a Caracas, you're you, good to go you can have a Caracas. i just and i'm not trying to knock wall of roots it's actually a very good card it's very solid in this deck for exactly the reasons you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, it stonewalls a lot of stuff. It's just, it's, Wall of Roots is really like kicking it old school, basically. And mm-hmm. I just really like that. It's just, it's old. It's just, I like old cards. It passes one very important test for a mana, a mana dork. Doesn't, boltable. Doesn't die to bolt. Well, doesn't immediately die to bolt. You exactly. Get, yeah. you get, you get, usually you get one out of it. Yeah. You cannot bolt the bird if they start with Wall of Roots. Next up, fourth place, we have an Azorius control list with Watau. Actually, I see him, or Watu. I see them quite a bit in here. Mm-hmm. So this is your Kahira list because you're running literally three Solitudes as your creatures. Yep. And then you've got three Teferi, two Wandering Emperor, and two Hiri, uh, Teferi Hero of Dominaria. The Wandering Emperor are definitely more of a recent pickup. Yeah. That's going to help explain why this card is 40 ish dollars a piece. We're seeing legitimate play in modern and pretty decent play in Legacy. That, and a lot of play in standard, too. That flash is really what seals the deal. In the, flash, the flash with the. Yeah, like obviously you get an additional activation or whatever. It'd be interesting how the card would be if you could just cast it on your opponent's turn. Like you lose your first activation, but you just get the chance to hold up. Like I think it's still. See- That's yeah, I the think it would. Thing with me. It's like the ability to hold up. Archmage's Charm or Counterspell or Dovin's V, like all these things, yep. and then just be like, cool, nothing good, pop in a game like that. I mean, Wandering Emperor can threaten the game very it quickly. It very much can. And you just do that in instant speed. Like, yeah. that's nuts. On it's, top of all the other stuff it does with, like, weird combat tricks and uh-huh. all kinds of crap like that. Sweet, sweet two for one. Just the ability to just tap four mana at Straight the end up of your opponent's not, turn. Just not dying. Yep. The number of times you can slam. I mean, like, that's your top deck against, they have an, uh, an 8-8 Merc type. Well, I mean, it's fundamentally, like, it's got a built-in fog. Yeah. Like you have to, your Teferi, you have to play during your main phase and they get to attack it. This, you get to play during their end step if you want or whenever. Yeah. And they just, you get to miss that first attack. <laughs> Did I tell you, I was playing one time, uh, someone cast, it was, I was playing modern, someone cast Thoughtseize. And so mm-hmm. in response, I cast my Wandering Emperor and took something else. 
and then they attacked. And I was like, cool, minus two, exile. And there was there was like a solid like 20 seconds. Concede. Concede, yep. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Gotta read all gotta read every single word on these damn cards, man. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It'd be interesting to see. It would be interesting to see if the Wandering Emperor was still playable if you didn't get that extra activation. Obviously, when you do, the card's just borderline busted. It's yeah, so it's good. good. And it's one of those, it's not busted enough that it'll take over the meta or anything. But man, that's no, a good thing. It's just walker. a good. Well, and the thing is, we're talking all the time about control decks, especially in modern. Like, for literally years, people were talking about, like, hey, there's no control deck in modern. All modern is is a bunch of decks just pass yep. two ships passing each other at night. Like, that happened for years. Mm hmm. And it fundamentally, it started happening around the basically after the Splinter Twin ban. But the fact that Control is a very real deck now, I think A is better for the metagame in the long run. It keeps the riffraff out, so to speak, as far as like bannable cards, just keeps them in check. Yeah. And then B, you just get to play some cooler stuff. And I like the fact that like Control has been getting a lot of good cards lately. Uh, obviously, you know, Prismatic Ending, we talked about the issues that it might be causing in Legacy. Um, it doesn't seem to really be causing anything near here because Chalice doesn't attack the primary deck. Mm-hmm. Um, but like stuff like Wandering Emperor, the Teferis, I know they're kind of obnoxious to play against, but like yep. they're I just mean, the vetoes. Dovin's veto from Will Spark is a huge pickup. Archmage's Charm is a really big pickup. Oh, that card's huge. Having a counter spell that also just draws cards. Yep. That that kind of flexibility is really... and on top of it got so much better when Urza Saga got printed. The ability to steal giant constructs. On top of just hate, just hating on Hammer Time like a boss. Yep. Where it's like, oh, what do you have? A fit a twenty twenty. Cool. Thank you. Good yeah. luck getting those hammers off. That was another. Again, not to toot my own horn, but that was another card that came out, and I was actually pretty high on it mm-hmm. because, uh, to me, the most appropriate comparison there is Cryptic Command. Yes. And while it doesn't do two, it does. Um, one of the biggest things you do with Cryptic Command is like counterspell draw cards. Yep. Dismiss. Replace. It replaces itself. Well, this only counters but it can frequently draw two quite often like like that that's one of the backbones of what it does yeah and so like you counter the important threat which if you're paying three mana to counter something it better be something good so merc tide living in that kind of crap when it needs to otherwise it's an instant speed divination yeah and that flexibility like divination is it's not a good card but you see divination variants happen all the time have we seen a divination at instant speed though i don't think so the closest one because like this, this is obviously that's, a hard to cast divination at yeah. instant speed, but that's kind of not the problem. A, not an unconditional one. Yeah, that's the problem with divination. Three mana to draw two cards is not it's, a bad rate, but at sorcery speed, it is. Yeah. To be able to pitch it at the end of your opponent's turn, to not have to sink Again, your entire I, turn I, into it. The same thing with Wandering Emperor. Exactly. Hold up those counter spells. And yeah. Get you for yeah. extra cards. The Wandering Emperor as a planeswalker probably isn't good enough. Just, yeah, just, just as just a, a regular. Yeah. Yeah. But you let me. You let me hold up counter spell or hold up. Um, uh, fire ice. Oh, nothing better to do. Okay, I guess I'll. I guess I'll just cast a planeswalker. Yep. You never have to have your shields down with that yeah, card. So strong. Anywho, fifth place, Merktide region again. Boo. <laughs> Almost the same deck. Uh, I think the spell suite in here is a little more condensed. There's a little less variety in here, but the same basic spells with bolts. Uh, we have pierces instead of unholy heats. Uh, considers. Oh, sorry, we do self unholy heats. I'm not sure what the pierces are. Re- the, the spell pierces are replacing. But counter spell, expressive iteration, archmage's charm, four baubles. The same, same deck. Yeah. Uh, there's we we do have one less uh, brazen borrower in this one. Oh shucks. Yeah. Darn. <laughs> Fifth or uh, sixth place was pretty cool. Sixth place was goblin combo. Goblins. So Kiki Jiki, um, conspicuous Snoop, and Bogert Harbringer. If you've never seen this combo, 
Uh, I don't blame you. It, everyone talked about it a lot. This was very much a flash in the pan. It was a flash in the pan, especially just on Reddit when Conspicuous Snoop came out, because everyone realized immediately Conspicuous Snoop, because it gains the activated ability of any goblin on top of your library, just wins if it's on, if it has the ability to tap and you have a Kiki-Jiki on top, because you just make infinite dudes. Yep. Obviously, that's a lot harder to do, especially in a format without Brainstorm, but you get to use Bogart uh, Harbinger, which is a three-mana goblin, two and a black. When it ET- Basically, when it ETBs, you get to put a goblin on top. Yep. So cast Kiki-Jiki on your next turn. Sorry, cast Conspicuous Snoop on your next turn. Cast this, go infinite win. There's obviously tons of other ways this deck can win. Um, it Especially is just beating face. Just beating face with grindy, efficient goblins. Goblin Chieftain, Goblin Ringleader to draw a bunch of cards. Sling Gang Lieutenant to throw goblins in people's faces. Yep, the... This is just another one of those kind of decks that really benefited from like more recent sets, like within the past couple of years. Like this list is actually really, it's not one to one, but it's very similar to what like Legacy Goblins yep. is or used to be when it was a little bit better. Uh, obviously, you don't have like Goblin Lackey, but like the, the fundamental thing is like the Chieftains and the Ringleaders there are very good. Goblin Matron, very good. You just flood the board with these aggressive mm-hmm. goblins and just beat face. I've never played goblins in modern, but I have played it in historic quite a bit. And the number of games where, because modern gets, uh, what's that thing called? Muxus. Yeah. The number of games that you just cast Muxus on turn five and win the you game. Historic. Yeah. They're probably two to one. So it's probably 60% that. But there's a third of the games where it just go turn one goblin, turn two goblin, turn three goblin, turn four goblin, dead. Yep. Because by turn three, all your goblins have haste and or are cheaper. Yeah. And so it's like just, you just kill them. You just like, the you, I've I've gone up against hands where like their hand is stacked against Muxus with Graft Digger's Cages and Aether Gusts and they're ready. And it's like, I'm just going to attack for four and then eight and then ten. Yep. You, got, you got anything for that? Cool. And that's what these decks can do. They they're just very good at it. They just overwhelm you so quickly. And it's rough because if you aren't prepared to handle, handle them overwhelming you, they might just combo you. And if yeah. you're not prepared for the combo, they might just overwhelm you. Yep, there's a little bit of inevitability in the yeah. deck. Uh, and especially in Legacy, I, again, I'm not an expert on modern goblins, but with the lists being the same, I'm sure it's somewhat similar. It's just so grindy. Yeah. Like you get these, uh, like the Mog War Marshals and the Sling Gang Lieutenant stuff, especially even if you can't get like the combo off, if you're copying a Sling Gang, sling gang Lieutenant every turn, I mean, you're making... Three more goblins, yep. and if you have goblin type lords like chieftain or whatever, you're putting six power on the board every yep. time you. That's just the like the most basic yeah. bitch type of stuff you can do with that. And the ability with sling gang to just like turn all of your goblins into pinks. Yep. Like at that point, like being at six life is lethal. Yep. Because I'll just start throwing them at you. A hundred percent. Literally with a slingshot. You also get to use ether vial, which is one of the more powerful cards yeah, in Magic. Very powerful. Um, the land base is actually solid because you get like caverner souls. And so like the card draw off Kiki, the card draw off of Conspicuous Snoop is very real too because mm-hmm. Conspicuous Snoop lets you cast goblins from the top. Oh yeah, well you got literally over half your deck is goblins. Yeah, the ability to in the mid to late game like cast Snoop and then just cast two more goblins off the top. Draw. I mean, turns out when you draw two cards a turn, you start winning games. Yep, and that's well, I mean that's what, exactly what Hammer Time's doing with the reality chip. It's just yes. playing stuff off the top. Yeah. You Future Sight is a very good card. Uh, Jonathan, that was yep. he won a couple games over the weekend because he just got reality ship on something. And uh, I think it was Scotty was talking about, like, the card's kind of mediocre until he has one or two turns where he plays six spells in a row off the top. And it's yep. like, wow, he just <laughs> he just cast Ancestral Recall twice. Yeah, I mean, my, uh, limited games can be decided by literally one card. Uh-huh. Like, a lot of it, 
yeah. it's just like if you can just play something that draws two, that's a huge advantage because <laughs> neither one of us has good cards. So it's no. just a, a lot of times it boils down to, and this, I'm not trying to like oversimplify limited, but a lot of times it just boils down to who plays the most cards. Mm-hmm. And if you can just reality chip in a couple uh-huh. free ones, you're way ahead. I, I got my butt kicked by Derek because I had my deck was very synergistic and I drew a lot of cards in my deck relative. Yeah. <laughs> I lost one of the games to Derek because I think it's called Behold the Unspeakable, but it's a five mana saga that on chapter two, just you either scry two, draw two, or just draw four. Yeah, I saw that. So he did it once, then ninjitsued it and played it again. <laughs> that was when you walked up and yeah. I was like, I told you what happened. I was like, I'm pretty sure I just lost this game yep. when he cast it a second time. That's what I mean. And I'm like, I've got two cards in hand. He's already got five, and he's going to draw two more next yeah. turn. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> Concede. That's what Correct. you're supposed to do. So I, I was wrong. The seventh place is Living In. We have a four-color Living In list. Um, while this is cool, it's not really interesting to talk about. There's not really much here to, to discuss. One thing worth noting is this one actually isn't running that new turtle. Yep. Uh, we, we, we saw that's kind of a mainstay in a lot of the decks. This one's not running them. But beyond that, it's a Cascade deck with yeah. tons of creatures that cycle for cheap and almost entirely all the same creatures that cycle for cheap. It kind of sucks that deck is like it is fun to play. It is kind of cool, and it's so boring to talk about because there's just not much to say. Well, that's the thing. I'm sure if if either one of us actually played that particular deck, the funny thing is I actually used to play Living Death decks back in the day, which they, is one of the reasons very why I similar. Loved. Yeah, I mean the 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 goal is the same. Obviously, they played way different back then, um, but like I love this style of deck. Uh huh. It's just I don't play this in modern. Yeah. So, like, I'm sure there's a ton of, like, interesting stuff about the deck when you're playing it, but when you're just talking about a list, it's the same thing every week. Yeah. It kind of sucks. Like, this whole top eight's kind of boring. Modern's been kind of boring in terms of top eight diversity lately. Like, it's a lot of fun talking about goblins and whatnot, but we've been, whereas Legacy the last two weeks, literally only two weeks, has had some really interesting top eights. Modern's been, like, (laughs) Merktide, Blink, Merktide, Hammer Time, Cascade. Well, that's... What we talked about when we were discussing our feelings on the Luris ban mm-hmm. was we were on the opinion that like not fundamentally modern wasn't going to change much. And it hasn't. The yeah. only deck that's really the only top, the only tier one deck that has taken a big hit was Grixis Death Shadow. Yep. Most people just pivoted into Murktide, mm-hmm. at least online. But you got rid of all the brews. Like the brews are just gone. And, and I would argue modern isn't bad by any it's, means. No, it's definitely not. But I think it got worse. Yeah, at least the metagame. Now, yeah. you could make a very strong argument that Maybe the, the play. gameplay, the minute-to-minute gameplay is probably better. And to be fair, yeah. if that's what your goal is, that's fine. I don't even necessarily disagree. Yeah. But it did come at a cost. And the cost is we haven't seen burn anywhere. I mean, there's one in the top 32. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a bunch of decks that, like, you'll see them pop up every now and then but i mean the metagames we were talking about before had like 20 or 30 decks in them yeah the goblins of this challenge you just don't see them as often yeah it used to be two or three in the top eight of wonky decks especially yeah and now it's one if we're lucky yep wrap this up we got hammer time in eighth place looking through this this is the hammer time list we've been seeing this is azorius with a single reality chip um something that i always use to differentiate these i look at the stoneforge package this one is running nettle cyst and cauldra that's we get the most. It seems like we're getting the most flexibility in that package. Whether you're getting a sword or cauldra or nettle cyst or multiple nettle cysts. Sometimes cutting actually all of them all together. Three Spingleaf drum and no uh, paradise mantle. So I don't hey, know. <laughs> I still have no idea what's going on with that thing. I think we should have another twenty minute discussion about paradise <laughs> mantle. <laughs> uh, one steel saber's gift, two spell peers, couple blacksmith's skill. Nothing in here looks uh, specifically unique. 
Giver of Runes. Uh, that's kind of that seems to be the most flexible slots in the creature base. We see some interesting artifact centered creatures around that. Yeah, Giver you, of Runes is a pretty you common one. You get the core of the deck, and then you get a, yep. a couple flex slots. This is that's probably one of the bigger things about Modern versus Legacies. It feels like every deck has more just flex slots. Oh. Like the the strategies are less honed in on what is exactly correct because the card pool is probably a lot smaller. Yeah. Um, which is kind of funny to say that the modern card pool is smaller, <laughs> but it is. Yep. So, yeah, you get a lot more of these flex slots where it's like you can play around with these things a lot more with a lot more liberty and you're still doing fine. So, metagame summary. We do still have a decently wide metagame summary. Merktide region at 18.75% with six decks in the top 32. That's probably too many, but as long as we keep churning it through, like Merktide's been kind of on, Merktide and Hammer Time have been on top a lot lately. I'd like to see those guys move around a little bit more. But well, it's inevitable, basically. It, it's, it's possible they're also, like, these are just two really efficient, really consistent decks that are capitalizing on a metagame still in flux from Luris being removed and a lot of decks shifting around. They're, they they make up the core of Tier 1. You've got yeah. the Omnath decks, Hammer Time decks, Merktide decks, and a control list. Yep. Those are your four Tier 1 decks. Sounds about right. Which, to be fair, and I mean, you could even throw in some sort of cascade in there. Depending on the week, I'd agree with that, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of your tier one. Um, the Every metagame is going to have a tier one. To me, the issue is how many decks are in it, which five is reasonable. Yeah. Um, and then the what difference if was, between tier ones and tier twos. What if it was one and it was Delver? See, that's the difference. Legacy has a tier one, but it also has a tier zero. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a problem. That's the tier one in Legacy looks fine. To yeah. be perfectly honest, that like, too bad. It's the tier zero that's the problem. Yeah. So, but to wrap this up, we do have fifteen and a half percent hammer time with five decks in the top thirty to uh, four blink decks, twelve and a half percent, and then Azorius Control, Blue Living In, Amulet Titan, and Elementals, each bringing in six percent. Most played cards, Lightning Bolt, Counterspell, Expressive Iteration, Teferi, Time Raveler, he's not there as often, and Ragavan, Nimble Pilfer, doing all the way down in fifth. What you doing, buddy? Top creatures, Ragavan, Nimble Pilfer, then Solitude, Endurance, Fury, TRC. It's literally MH2 Tribal. Yeah, I was going to say Modern Horizons, Modern oh, Horizons, look, Modern Horizons, Modern Merc Horizons, region, Modern Horizons, Modern Horizons, Modern Horizons. You have to go down to eighth before you get a card that's not in Modern Horizons. And it's Omnath Locus of Creation. Yeah. That card's a freaking <laughs> joke. Not banned in Pioneer, though. You know what else wasn't banned in Pioneer? This blew my mind. Obviously, I'm new to Pioneer, so everybody's going to be like, ha-ha, duh. You had talked about... Uh, Dig Through Time. Dig Through Time. Treasure, Treasure Cruise. Cruise is also... like Because that's so because I started seriously looking at it, and we were talking about it earlier, how I was a little disappointed that Pioneer is a little... It's a little bit more expensive than mm -hmm. I was hoping for. It's much, it just it's more than you want it to be when right. you look at it, and you're like, oh, Dex costs 450 bucks. Yeah, well, and the ones I'm looking at cost like seven. Yeah, I want it to be like... 250 because you know what i want to do i want to cast treasure cruise i was like oh treasure cruise is legal which card which decks use treasure cruise <laughs> so i mean that's like again i'm very much in the minority playing hidden strings combo i don't know why people call it that it's low sealed combo like i three dig through time minimum guys i that card is stupid if you can effectively cast them yes you should be running those cards uh, yeah and i every time i play that deck my graveyard is full because it's full of tons of cycling it's full of tons of especially the turn you go off the turn you go off you're going to cast 15 spells and the number of like I, you usually don't brick but you never brick when you cast dig through time yeah because oddly enough looking seven deep you'll find yeah, over 10 percent of your deck and that's starting uh, yeah, yeah. By the time you do it, you've got thirty-five cards in your deck. You're looking at a, a fifth of your deck. A fifth of your deck. Oh wow! Found a loudest field. Got it. <laughs> You'll find something, or yep. you find the ultimatum yeah. or the whatever. Whatever you're whatever. looking for, yeah. or the omniscience and just cast it. They, 
So that just made me think of something. We don't have to go long on this. But let me let me finish. Oh, God. yeah, yeah. Top spells: lightning bolt, counter spell, express federation, to fairy time raveler, archmage's charm. Go ahead. Gotcha. Um, we've talked about a lot of like the core issues of magic, and I think the uh, treasure cruise and dig through time is a very good piece of evidence to back up my case that I think fundamentally fetches are the problem. Yeah. Uh, if you have those kind of cards. I guarantee you if fetches were legal in Pioneer, they'd be banned. Oh, yeah, there's a lot they'd of things. They'd have that, to be. Yeah. And it's, again, a lot of this stuff is kind of like Big does, but I've actually, I'm sure somebody else has thought of this, but I've been doing some like mental homework or just going through like, I, again, I talked to you about this, Jake, a few weeks ago, where I think fundamentally the problem with fetch lands is they're worth a card and a half. Mm-hmm. And I'd be willing to bet if you went through Magic's history and you were looking at the most successful decks in formats where fetches are legal... That what you would find is the decks that utilize the fetches the most are the ones that are the most successful. Yep. It's it's yeah. The, the fetch lands for one life put a card in the graveyard and legacy especially, but magic in general has been focused more and more and more on the last five years, escalating gradually into accessing that resource and utilizing it in some way. And the fact that yes, it does it. I mean, fixing mana is a card for sure. It's like fixing your mana might be like 1.25 cards. Yeah. Like a land that's always what you need is maybe more than a card. And then that extra resource in the graveyard that you can do anything with later ever is absolutely worth a percentage of a card. Well, then that's the thing is, I mean, we talked about it when we were talking about, a, um, oh, what was it? I don't know. At some point I was talking about how Lotus, Lotus Petal is a card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we were talking about, wow, you just made me forget about it. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, deadly dispute. Yeah, deadly dispute. We were talking about deadly dispute before we started recording, and how deadly dispute. Yes, it costs you a creature and a card, but I mean that card's bonkers in popper yep. and and standard and, and standard. standard. Uh, again, I don't. I it doesn't surprise me, but I didn't. To be perfectly honest, I, yeah, it didn't even but occur to me that it was it, legal and standard. The, the idea that it's it's two mana, so you, and you lose that card and you lose a creature and you draw two cards, so you're even on cards, but you create a lotus petal yes. and that is a that, that a, is a card. Yeah. And, it's at least half a card. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, in the very literal sense, it's a yes, card. Yes, yes, yes. Now, how you utilize that is the same with any other card, where it's just like, well, I mean, if it doesn't do anything, then it's not worth anything yeah, to you, right? But like in a world where like you're not using it to combo off and win, you're just using it as a resource. Yeah. Like I wouldn't it's spend. About, it's about half a card. There's a reason nobody puts Lotus Field Correct. or Lotus uh, Lotus, Lotus Petal, Petal in, the in their regular deck. Yep. But it's worth more than when nothing. you combine it with everything else. So like the deck that brought that into my head was uh, uh, we were playing. Up in Goshen, I was just playing a mono black sacrifice deck for Popper, and that card just was insane. Every time I, every time I cast it, it was just like, well, I, I'm just gonna win this game. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing in Popper to be like. I don't know what you're doing in Popper right now if you're not casting Deadly Dispute. Yeah. It seems like I, because the funny thing is, Popper actually has some pretty broken crap that goes on in there. Um, it's basically Legacy Light. Um, or legacy as it should be. I'll always say like I um I I'm stealing this from Bosch and Roll, but he he says it's legacy without the bullshit. Yes, and that's and it's perfect. Yep. Um, you don't like days and force a will. It's popper is that. Yeah, but deadly dispute is broken as <laughs> hell. Yeah. And so I I bought my couple. Um, I only bought four because I'm not gonna get burned when that inevitably gets banned. Since popper actually has a community that looks after its ban list, I'm like, uh oh. The popper challenges have been looking fine. Like I don't, I don't foresee a ban in any time in in like the near future. But holy crap, that card's good. Wow. Like it, it just 
It's just deceptively well, good because you're not you're not just deadly disputing a creature. You're well, deck is built on. around it. You're deadly disputing creatures that you want dead anyway. Correct. Like, so you're getting value out of stuff. Uh, I can't even shambling remember. Gassed. Hmm? Shambling gas. Yeah, the like big shambling one. gas, or just like you have just stuff that like when it dies, you get some little piddly value. Yeah. There's like some carrion dude. Whenever a creature, whenever you sacrifice a creature, it gets a plus one plus one yep. counter stuff like that. Or it's just it's an instant, which is a Huge reason yeah. why it's successful. So they go to bolt your dude. So you just yep. deadly yeah. dispute it. The idea that it's a, it, it's it's one for one and that you're going down two or going up card. When you get to respond to a removal spell, now it's like a, a one for one or a two for one with your opponent. Right. It's just backbreaking. Yeah. You're going up cards. They're going down cards. You're, you're going up one and a half cards. They're going down a card. It's yeah. it's crazy. And but to bring it back to what we were talking about, like that to me is the fetches fundamentally I, i'd be curious to see what we could take off the ban list if we ban fetches mm-hmm. now that i'm not even saying that's necessarily what we should do i'm not advocating for yeah. banning fetches the, but they're incredibly powerful and yep. everybody knows that but like there have treasure been, cruise is legal there have been several people um it, say, there's at least a handful of people who have podcasts so they at least talk about magic a lot they they live the world have brought up the idea of banning fetches and like the, the, the real problem is probably fetches is perfect mana bases i mean like you said we're over here being like void rend is incredibly easy to cast why right. would i never be able to cast void rend yep whereas it's like in pioneer that's gonna be hard to cast yep but even in modern it'd be hard to cast i mean in legacy it's, gonna be it's very ex- easy it's gonna be expensive it's gonna to cast. cost you a lot of life to yes. cast void rend now the problem with banning the fetches, even if that is one of the things where it's like that's probably like best for the health of the format, <laughs> it just destroys formats. Decks, well, decks just be, decks go up three times in price. Where it's like, as hey, far as legacy goes, yeah. yeah. You know how you used to have like three volcanics and two underground seas. Well, now you need four volcanics and four underground seas. Yeah, um, I don't. It would completely change the face of modern. Yeah, uh, I, like your four color decks just disappear. Yes, 100%. Um, stuff like that. And again, that's not what I'm talking about. I don't want to do that. This, to but me, it's just to drive the point home where like, if you can have a format where you have Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise, and they're not even being ran as four ofs. It's, it, like, I looked through a bunch of these lists because I was trying to pick one out, and I'm like, uh, yeah, nobody runs more than two of these. Yep. And they, the, most of the runs that ones that were running uh, Treasure Cruise were uh, Arclight Phoenix decks, and they were running Temporal Trespass as well. That makes sense. Um, I'm telling you what, man, though, like... It's it's fun looking at pioneer decks because I'm not saying everyone that there are plenty of people that play pioneer and are very good at their craft and what they do. But like every time I look at a pioneer deck and I see that stuff, it's just like man, this deck isn't finished to me, and it might not be. I look at a blue red Delver deck and I'm like, ah, deck's finished. Yeah. You look at a lot of modern decks well, and you like, go, that deck's finished. I but, think that's one of the things we're we're very used to is like legacy yeah. is solved. Yeah, as far as a deck goes, I mean, there's some wiggle room, but like elves yeah. runs the same well, sixty almost every time. That's what I was talking about, and like, oh man, modern's so cool. It has like four flex slots. Yeah, and I'm looking at these these um, hidden strings decks, and I'm like, man, I. You know what you mean? You I'm, basically built your own. Yeah, you took I'm, the core of the combo and put in what you wanted to play. Yeah, I'm rebuilding this thing from the ground yeah. up. So, and it might be a little bit worse, but it could also be a little bit better because there's no you. There's no way you can prove to me that in pioneer. We know for sure that's the right one. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's basically what it boiled down to is I saw those th- saw those lists and I was like, if I end up getting a Pioneer deck, it's going to have Treasure Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when I saw that when I saw that Dig Through Time was legal, I was like, if I'm playing Pioneer, I'm playing Dig. I'm getting yeah. that card banned. Yep. I played. So just so everybody knows, I played Blue Red Delver in Modern during Treasure Cruise. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You're there. Ha- I- yep. That's. That was my first modern deck to get banned, nice. and then they banned my Mox Opals as well. Yep. <laughs> so like, 
I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm I, just itching to get another deck banned. I think I've had less decks banned than you, but uh, it's it's close. We're about the same. Like, um, so I had blue, red, Delver in modern, affinity in modern, and then elves got a card ban, but it was still elves. Yeah. And then uh, Grixis Delver with Deathrite Shaman. Yep. I had. So I only had three. I had Oko in standard, Fires of Invention in standard, Snoko in legacy. So I think I'm only at three too. Yeah. The, the big thing with me is uh, they didn't use to ban stuff in Standard when I played. <laughs> yeah. Unless it was real bad. So, like, you had Urza <laughs> well, Saga stuff, and then until you got to Marodin. <laughs> it's funny. <nothing. laughs> when I played Standard, they banned things every two weeks. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, so, like, I I played, you know, during all that stuff, Marcadian Mascus, Odyssey, Judgment, like, all that crap, right? Uh-huh. So you get to um, Affinity, and it's like, holy crap. If you're not playing Affinity, you're dumb. Mm -hmm. And so eventually, everybody knows that Affinity got a bunch of crap banned. And then it was basically the same thing again until uh, World Wake, I think. Whatever Jace and like Stoneforge, the Callblade deck in Standard got a couple cards banned. And so like you have these huge gaps in Standard ban lists where you're talking about anywhere between five and ten years between like major bans. And now it's every... Almost every band announcement. In fairness, well, now they it is have, literally yeah, every well, band announcement. They did a they've done a good job with standard. We haven't had a card band stand in a long time. I think we had a whole year actually before we had a card band, and they they banned some stuff recently. But like it was like a year gap. They dialed the power back down a lot, yeah. but there for a while. <laughs> it was like every single Monday. You're like, do we get a band? We got one last Monday. Do we get one this Monday? Right. Well, I mean, at some point, and it's probably still true, but it, like in that in that stretch, there were more cards banned in that currently in that standard than almost like anything in the past 20 years combined yeah. like it was it, yeah we it was approaching either equilibrium or more than the history of standard yeah banned in that like sad. an eight month stretch i'm just like yeah guys like because oh, i knew a couple thank, people that kept trying to play standard thank god it was on arena and i mean arena is not cheap but like yeah. thank god it wasn't people buying paper decks i know Jeez, louise imagine if you know you're playing call blade and they ban your chases thanks wizards imagine <laughs> Again, if you're i don't remember if chase was banned and if i was almost done building time. snoko and they banned the okos and the astrolabes yep, it's a shame thanks wizards <laughs> you kind of you got yourself there with the okos you the, had to the see okos i was prepared for and i yeah. was totally ready to shift into like a four color control deck with a different finisher and then they were like, "Fuck off, no." To be fair, they did tag me with Dread Horde, Dread Horde Arcanist yes, yeah, as well. Yeah, you did. You did lose your Dread again. Horse. The deck was still fine, but God, that card was way more fun than Oko to play. <laughs> uh, I mean, it depends on what side of the table you were on. Yeah, but yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap this up, Matt. Yep. So, as we get to the end of our episode, was there anything that we didn't talk about this week that you wanted to? Uh, about the only thing would be we can crap on wizards for raising prices. Uh, we don't have to go long on it, but Wizards decided it was going to raise yeah. if their anything, sealed product by 11%. Be prepared, everybody. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure you'll have heard about it by other people by now. Uh, I'm a hardcore capitalist. I don't care about them pra- raising prices. My biggest complaint is the last foils I got were curved like Pringles again. So yeah. I don't know why we're paying 11% more for product that yeah. actually is way it, worse than what I used to get. It is annoying that we are in a a season of Wizard mm-hmm. is have has unprecedented growth and revenue and profit. Our product is as bad as it's ever been as far as like quality, quality control and the prices have to go up. Yeah. It's just like a kind of kick in the nuts to be it's perfectly rough. honest. So again, I don't care about them raising prices. I mean, the CPI was like eight and eight point seven percent for the consumer, March. Consumer consumer price index. Yeah, yeah, inflation. Yeah, year inflation. over year inflation. inflation Basically, prices prices in March were eight eight point seven percent higher than they were last March. So yeah. like, I get it. 
because if you look at the uh, the producer price indexes, they're actually higher. They were in like the eleven to thirteen percent range, I think. Right around eleven percent. Yeah. So like there there's a lot of stuff going on here behind the scenes that yeah. can justify price increases. And to be fair, again, it's been a long time since they've actually had a dedicated price increase. Stuff is like trickled up and whatnot. Yeah. And again, in their defense, if uh, this is unverified, I haven't checked the numbers myself, but I was reading about it and somebody posted if magic if packs were priced the way they were back in the day they would cost like five dollars and seventy cents like they actively they actually haven't been keeping up mm. with inflation yeah, they'd be more expensive now if they yeah. had just kept up with inflation what, what this whole the dollar time. was worth then correct so like you're you're still paying less per pack than you would have been 10 or 15 years ago just as uh just because of what the dollar is worth but that's it's still it's hard to swallow that yeah when you're getting cards that come out like you get them from your retailer and they're just pringles yeah that 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 fundamentally is the only thing that makes me upset about this prices increases because of inflation i get that make better cards yeah this raise i'd like to see just, the, the quality increase I, i'd be willing to pay more if they were like yeah. you know what guys packs need to go to six dollars but your cards will be f- yeah. flat <laughs> we'll get we're getting back to lauren style foils yeah, where you can just like i i bought foil lands from lauren and they're almost perfectly flat. Yep. And they're 15 years old. Yeah. So, is that's anything all I else? Would say. No, I think we're good. All righty. You're getting a little long in the tooth. So, as we leave today, I give I want to give a big shout out again to Will and Aramis at the Plain Soccer's Podcast. One more time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, PlainSoccer'sPodcast.com, uh, Discord.PlainSoccer's, or is it Discord.PlainSoccer'sPodcast? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Twitch.tv forward slash PlainSoccer's is for sure their Twitch. Monday, 7 p.m. Uh, standard oriented podcast Wednesday 7 p.m. Commander Craft you can join on the Discord or just watch and you can find their podcast pretty much everywhere you can find our podcast if you want to reach out to us email us at cantripcartel at gmail.com hit up our Facebook group at Cantrip Cartel and follow us on Twitter at Cantrip Cartel one more time before we sign out big thank you to everyone that reached out to us and showed us some support in any way we got a huge outpouring of responses and love from the community whether we were staying with legacy or not everyone reached out and made their voices heard and we appreciated it yeah absolutely and if that's all we've got i think we will see you guys next week all right have a nice night guys so uh, i'll go first for our commander game Uh, i'll go land uh soul ring mana crypt jeweled lotus concede (laughs) 